Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, I always love to see that you love one another. (laughs) It's always great. So it's a joy to be able to um, share the word with you today. I'm going to um, be speaking from Matthew chapter 6, if you want to look and find your place there, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 9. What a great service. Amen. Wow. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, worship team, for just taking us right into God's throne room. Amen. What a beautiful time. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says, In this manner, therefore, pray. And you could all quote this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I am am going to, the the title of the message is How to Pray. (laughs) So I don't want to insult anybody. I know we have some very gifted and effective prayers in this room. People that really have developed a deep and meaningful prayer life. And that's awesome. And for you, I pray that the message will be encouraging, inspiring, maybe motivating, help you just kind of get back on track or or whatever. But I want to say this at the expense, I I don't want to at all sound insulting. That's not my goal. It's never my goal. But after 40 years of pastoring, one thing I've discovered, and not that I have assessed it, but people have told me that they really just don't know how to pray. They struggle with being able to have a meaningful, consistent prayer life. So I'm going to take it upon myself today, I guess, to be able to maybe help that, help you learn how to pray. And so... I always tell people that um, I, after all these years of walking with the Lord, and see, I don't even know how long it's been, long time, 50-something years, that I still use the Lord's Prayer as my model of prayer. That's still how I pray. And I always can see people looking at me like, well, you ought to be deeper than that. You ought to be more mature than that. You ought to be farther along than that. I always just kind of get that look from people when I say that I still pray the Lord's Prayer. But I have, after years and years and years and years of studying and of practicing, I really cannot find any way to improve on prayer than the Lord's Prayer. So, now, let's just get started. So, in verse 9, Jesus said, In this manner, therefore pray. Did I pray? <laughs> I don't think I did. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help me today to be able to communicate what you want to share. 
Even more than that, I pray that you would help us receive what you want us to receive. That the word would be planted in good soil and that it would bear much fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus, I think from the very first, we need to realize that he's not saying necessarily pray these words verbatim. He says in this manner. So like this. He's saying pray like this. And he's giving us a pattern for prayer. Now, I think it's great to say the Lord's Prayer. In fact, I probably say it almost every day of the week. I think it's really a, a powerful prayer, just saying the words. But what I want you to realize right off the bat is he's telling us how to pray. He's not telling us what to pray. I want to repeat that because I want to make sure you get it. He's telling us how to pray, not what to pray. So he's giving us the pattern that we should follow as we pray. And so I'm going to take this, this prayer and we're going to break it down phrase by phrase. I'm actually very excited about this message. I hope that you're excited when we get done. We'll see. But, um, but and actually, you could, you could really take the Lord's Prayer almost and break In fact, we're going to actually do that with the first word, but I promise I'm not going to do that with every word. But we are going to break it down phrase by phrase. And so the very first phrase is, Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. And I want to start by talking about the word our. Jesus didn't say, when you pray, pray my Father in heaven. He said, pray our Father in heaven. And I am a firm believer that words mean something. And I believe that every word in the Bible was specifically chosen by God for a specific reason. And that's why I'm such a big student of word studies. But the word our is huge. And the first thing that comes to mind to me, for me, is the fact that the, the, for the early church, prayer was basically a corporate I talked about this once before, just so I think when I spoke in June. That for, for the early, obviously they prayed personally. They obviously had personal prayer. But almost every record of prayer in the book of Acts is corporate. In, in Acts chapter 1, they're all gathered together and they're waiting on God for him to send the Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, they're in one accord, in one place, seeking the Lord. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. Acts chapter 4, they're threatened by the Sanhedrin and they all gather together for prayer. It's just that way all throughout the scripture, through the book of Acts. So corporate prayer is huge. So I think when he said our, he said it with the concept that they were going to be praying together. Right? Yeah. I was so excited a month ago at our men's prayer meeting. I think there was a dozen men. Is that what we counted? Twelve? Which that's obviously not every man in the church, but I was so ecstatic about that. That we had 12 guys that gathered on a Saturday morning to pray. And, and we didn't, it wasn't like we talked for 50 minutes and prayed for 10. Pastor Wimmar shared a few thoughts and then we prayed. It was just amazing. It was awesome. So, so I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled at that. I'm thrilled that our ladies meet. I think y'all meet weekly, don't you? Yeah, on Thursday nights for prayer. So God, I think God's pleased with the fact that we are understanding the need for corporate prayer in this church. But we need to, we need to continually get better at it. Next week, I hope we have 
20 men at Jedburgh Men's Prayer. By the way, Men's Prayer, is it this next week? Yeah, Men's Prayer is next week. That's a good announcement. Plug that in there. <laughs> they're going to be at the Norton's house, right? I think, yeah, at the Norton's house. So at what time? Nine o'clock, whatever time, just check it out. <laughs> but corporate, I think, he was, I think he was saying, we're going to be praying together. But I think it's more than that. And I really hope you'll hear what I'm saying right now. When, when Jesus said, our Father, instead of my Father, what he, was, what he was basically saying is that we are a part of the family of God. And when we pray, I hope you can get this, when we pray, when you kneel and pray, or however you pray, I like to kneel, but however you pray, that you have this sense that you're praying along with the family of God around the world. There's times I just have this feeling of like, I have all these people with me while I'm praying. I don't feel that every time I pray, but that, that is a sense that we should have. That we are praying along with all of the family of God around the globe. I think we should have a sense of praying with those people who we are connected, with whom we are connected. Like, for instance, when I pray, I, when I'm praying, it's always Leona and me praying. She's not in there with me, but I just have this sense of my wife being with me while I'm praying. I think we should have this sense that we're praying along with our church family. We just have this feeling of being with Calvary Life. We, we are praying together with our church family. And I think that in, this, in these days of racial tension in America... What an awesome thing to be on my knees in prayer and to realize that I am praying with my black brothers, with my Hispanic brothers and sisters, and my Asian brothers and sisters. We are all praying to our Father. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. He's not the white Father and the black Father and the brown Father. He is our Father. Amen? Praise God. So, I mean, it's just powerful. When you realize that I am, I am before God with all of the church family. And we are connected together. And it's no matter what race, doesn't matter what nationality, we are worshiping the same Father, our Father. Praise yeah. God. So that's why I want to start with the word our. And then, and then as you're praying, you're, just, you're having that sense of I'm with my church family. I'm with the church family around the globe. I'm with my church family at Calvary Life. I'm with my family. I'm with them. I'm saying our Father. But I'm saying our Father in heaven. So I really believe that Jesus, he knew, well obviously he knew, the battle that we would have for faith. In James chapter 1 it says the trying of your faith. And our faith is what is constantly under attack. The devil is continually trying to undermine, to weaken, to dilute your faith. And so Jesus set it up so that every single day. Now the old King James says, our father who art in heaven. And I've always translated it, our father who is in heaven. But the new King James just says, our father in heaven. But I still put who is in there. <laughs> so our father who is. In other words, it's, I mean, there, I can't tell you how many mornings that I just get absolutely stuck on that phrase. Just, God, you really are. You really are. You, you really are. You exist. You're God. And it's just such a, a, a moment of faith rising up. 
and God restoring what might have been weakened the day before. And once again, I realized, wow, God really, really is. And then when you're praying and you're saying, our Father in heaven, I don't think we realize it, but that is such a contradiction. Our Father has to do with, the theological term would be eminence. Eminence. And what it means is personal, involved, and knowable. That we can know him. He's personal. He's present. Our Father. When we say our Father, we are, we are embracing him personally into our lives. And we're, we're recognizing that we can know him. And that he's present and he's involved in our lives. God cares to be involved in your life. But when you say our Father in heaven, in heaven has this completely different picture. In the theological term, there would be transcendence. means that he is above. He is beyond. What I like to say, he's other than. He's something other than me, right? He's other than us. And it really means unknowable. You can't really know him. And so you're saying this complete contradiction our Father, you're close, you're personal, you're knowing, you're loving. In heaven, you're unknowable, you're beyond, you're other. You're all of that. God, in fact, I think we should get awestruck at God. We should be awestruck at God. And I feel like we just get so, and I'm not saying this in a, con in a condemning way, but I just feel like sometimes we get so familiar, we just, it just kind of is routine. And I just think sometimes we need to be awestruck at God. A few, a few days ago, I don't remember when it was, it was this week or last week, but I was actually praying about my theology class that starts at 8 o'clock, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and, um, and I was praying about it, and, I, and all of a sudden I just thought, God, what are you? I mean, that was the thought I had, God, what are you? Who, who are you? I, it was, I was just awestruck. I mean, who and what is God? We need, to, we need to, man, he is beyond, but yet he is personal. Yeah. Right. Amen? So when you're praying, and that, I mean, yeah, that's how, that, this is how we, Jesus said, pray like this, right? And this is what he's saying, this is how he's saying pray. That we're recognizing we have a father, but our father's in heaven. He is knowable, but he's unknowable. He's personal, but he's other. And we're just kind of awestruck at this God that we serve. Amen? And then he said, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means to be kept holy. To be kept holy is your name. Now let me assure you that whether you ever say those words or not, God will remain holy. <laughs> whether you ever worship him or not, he will still be holy. So it really isn't about keeping him holy. <laughs> it's about keeping him holy in our eyes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it has to do with worshiping God. And so you're, I mean, you're, you're in prayer and you haven't, noticed you haven't asked God for anything yet. Everybody with me? You haven't asked God for a thing yet. You've just been awestruck at him. <laughs> You've been aware of being a part of his family. And now you're worshiping him. 
and you're glorifying him and you're awestruck at who God is. And you're saying, hallowed, be, to be kept holy is your name. To be honored and revered and worshiped. You are worthy. God, I honor you and glorify you. Amen. And you might just get hung up there some mornings, just worshiping the Lord. And then he says, Jesus said, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, obviously, we could take that phrase and break that down word by word. But I'm not going to, I promise. But I, I do want us to kind of get some thoughts about this. First of all, when Jesus came preaching, he came preaching what? The kingdom of God. He sent his disciples out to go do what? Preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick and cast out demons. And I think that gives us a little glimpse into what we mean by the kingdom of God. It is God's power breaking into the brokenness of the world. Let me repeat that. It is God's power breaking into our brokenness. And He is bringing freedom, He is bringing healing. He is bringing wholeness into our lives. And so we're praying, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on this earth, here and now, just like it is being done in heaven. I think that, that the kingdom of God is, well, I, we could speak week after week after week on the kingdom of God. But let me just say one more thing about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has to do with his rulership. And so it has to do with his rulership in my personal life. It has to do with his rulership in the United States government. It has to do with his rulership in our church. It has to do with his rulership in North Korea. And so I feel like this is, so hear me on this. I think this is a point where we really need to have discipline when we're praying. Because I think that it's easy to get in a rut and pray about one thing or to become very selfish and only pray about ourselves. We need to be calling for the kingdom of God to, be, to come in every arena of life. Every arena. After I was no longer a senior pastor, I am... Um, I realized something about myself, that my prayer time, <laughs> I don't know the percentages, but now looking back on my prayer time, I would say it was about 90% about my church, <laughs> that I was pretty much all I prayed about. Well, I prayed for my family some. I didn't pray even for my family like I should have. I really just prayed for my church for almost, almost entirely, but not entirely. And since I haven't been a pastor, my prayer life has changed drastically. And I, real, and, and I think it should have been then what it is now. I should have had the discipline then that I now have. And I should have then prayed for the nations. I mean, there are days that I spend my entire prayer time praying for North Korea. Don't ask me why, I just do. It just has become a passion to pray for North Korea. Um, and I could tell you stories, and I would like to, I wish I had time to tell stories of seeing exact things happen in the news that corresponded to prayer time. And not, and not that I think that I was the only one praying. Our Father. I believe that there were probably thousands of Christians 
praying about that very same thing, maybe on that very same morning. It's very possible. And then, boom, something would happen. I would like, oh my gosh. I would see prayer coming to pass in the news. And so our king, our prayer, thy kingdom come, we need to be very disciplined. And I'm just going to challenge you to do that. Now, you can't pray for every single thing every single day. I understand that. In fact, I mean, and I'm like a really regimented person, so you don't have to follow me. But, but I mean, I have, I just like on Tuesday mornings, I pray for our nation. That's what I pray for. On Friday mornings, I pray for my family. And I pray for my wife and my daughters and my sons-in-laws and my grandchildren every day. But, but I pray for my extended family. Friday mornings, I just say, God, you know, I like to pray for my family on Fridays. And I start praying for my family. And I have a big family, so it takes a while. I pray for my, basically I pray for my siblings and their spouses and their children and that's pretty much it. By that time, it's time to go to work. But, um, but I mean, so that's kind of how I do it. But you just find what works for you. But I feel like we need to be disciplined when we pray for the kingdom of God to come. So that we are being I mean, judicious. We, we, are, we, are, we are covering the bases, so to speak. You with me on that? Thy kingdom come, your will be done. One more thing I want to say about the kingdom of God. I could preach on this forever. But one more thing, and, and this will be a disconcerting to some people. So just get ready for it. But God's kingdom does not automatically come. And his will is not automatically done. In this earth. Now, certain theological perspectives feel like it is, but I disagree. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul talks about Epaphras. And he says that Epaphras is always wrestling for you in prayer. And here's what he's wrestling about. So that you will stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So he's praying for the Colossian people, follow the train of thought. He's wrestling in prayer so that they would stand complete and perfect in all the will of God. Well, two things stand out about that to me. Number one, Epaphras, maybe he was theologically ignorant, but I don't know that he was. I don't think he was. He was Paul's companion. He believed that their possibility existed that the, the Colossian people might not stand perfect in all the will of God. If he's praying that they will stand perfect, doesn't that stand to reason that he feels like it's possible they might not stand perfect in all the will of God? And second thing that he seems to believe is that he thinks his prayers can make a difference about whether they do or don't stand perfect in the will of God. Right? So they, he's, he's assuming that the will of God, the kingdom of God, isn't automatic. It may or may not happen. Right? Well, for example, let me just tell you this. The Bible says God is not willing, will, willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the sad reality is that that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. God's will is not always done. But we are partners with God 
in bringing his kingdom to come, we are partners with God in causing his will to be done. That's heavy duty. We are his partners. He, he chose to partner with us so that we could bring in his kingdom and we could cause his will to be done. And so when you're kneeling and praying or standing and praying or lying down and praying, however you pray, but as you're praying, you're recognizing that the things, and listen to this, that the things you're praying about are, this is hard for some people to accept, but are contingent upon your prayers. They're contingent upon your prayers. That God has chosen to partner with you to bring those things to pass. And so as you're praying, oh God, your kingdom come. In my family, your kingdom come. In my nation, your kingdom come. In the middle of the race riots, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That God is using that to cause it to happen. And that's a lot of theological explanation to get to that point. So I don't have time to do that today. But, that, but God's kingdom is he partners with us. And now you finally get to a personal petition. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You finally get to a personal petition. Give us this day our daily bread. That, does that kind of change how we think about praying? <laughs> now, obviously, when we're praying your kingdom come, we, we, are, we can be praying about personal situations for sure. But we're praying it from the perspective of God. We want your kingdom to come. In my family, in my life. Yes, it's true. But now we finally say, give us this day our daily bread. And I believe that that means exactly what it says. That it is a point of dependency upon God to meet our most basic needs. That we have this place. Yes, we work. Yes, we save. Yes, we budget. Yeah, well, I hope we do. We plan. We, we do all of that. But ultimately, we recognize that we are dependent upon God for our most basic need, bread. <laughs> Give us this day our daily bread. So we... <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think that I think that, that goes beyond... I think it obviously includes food. Includes, you know, I hope that you pray over your meals. It's kind of a common thing to do. But, but I mean, I just am always thankful I've got food on my table, right? How about you? Thank you, Lord. We got food for one more meal. Amen. Amen. And, but I think, it's, I think it goes beyond that. Whatever you need for that day. You need, you need anointing for whatever it is you're going to be doing that day. So I thought about saying that. And I thought, no, I probably shouldn't say it. It's going to sound wrong. And then I thought, no, I will say it. So I guess I'll say it. So I, uh, one thing I've noticed is that when in my classes that I teach, most mornings, 
I asked the Lord for his anointing to teach my classes. And, and he always seems to honor that. Now, this is the part I didn't know if I wanted to share or not, because I don't know how to explain this, because it's going to make God sound petty. He's not petty. But on the mornings that I fail to do that, I notice that I struggle in my classes. So is God like being, well, you didn't ask for my anointing, so I'm not going to bless you today. I mean, it's not like that. But there is this reality of every day coming before God. If you rewind all the way back to the Old Testament, and they had the manna, they had, they had to go out every single day. Except on the Sabbath, God gave them a double portion. But, and so the, when they first got started, people thought, well, I'll, I'll fix this, I'll just gather extra. And I won't have to early tomorrow morning, I'll just gather extra. Well, what happened to what they gathered extra? It was filled with maggots. They needed, and God was showing us, we need every single day to come before God and say, Lord, today I need you. Today I need your provision. Today I need your protection. Today I need your guidance. Today I need your wisdom. Today I need your strength. We need him every single day. And that's really what that said to us. On a day-by-day basis, God, I know I have to come before you and ask you today to meet my needs. Well, we're moving on. I really thought about doing this in two Sundays, but I'm going to cram it into one. He says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us debts as we forgive our debtors. When you're praying, I hope you'll hear me. When you're praying, you, there, is, there is a point in prayer where we need to ask God to cleanse our lives. Now, we start from a position of righteousness. Everybody stay with me on this. You don't start a broken down sinner. You have given your life to Christ. You are in Christ. You are his beloved. You are accepted. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we start from that position. But that's a positional thing. I also know that in real life that there are places that I have failures. And here's, here's what I want us to get. It's, it's easy, I think, for us to begin to be desensitized to areas of brokenness and failure in our lives. Oh, well, I just, I just have a bad temper. And you just let it go. No thought of it ever changing because it hasn't changed so far, so it probably is not going to change. And so you just accept it. But God wants us to press into him. Say, God, today, and we're going to talk about leading us on to temptation in a moment, but today, Father, I pray for your strength. Forgive me for these sins in my life. I think it goes beyond that, though. I think in Psalm, I think it's one, I forgot where it is, but it's Psalms. <laughs> he, says, he says, search me, O God. 
Search me. Try me. See if there's something in my life that needs to go. And here, here's what I think the message from that is, is that we, we can just kind of go through life and have areas where we're failing and not even be aware of it. And so it's so critical to come before God and all of a sudden, because of his love for us and because of our openness to him, he helps us see a place where we need to grow. We think, wow, I didn't even realize that, Lord. And I'm so sorry and help me to change that. And we, and we change. At what point do you get past the point of needing to grow? Never. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been a Christian for, I think it's 52 years. I still have a long way to go. So I think it has to do with allowing God to search our hearts and cleanse us on an ongoing basis. Amen. The sin of unbelief. How about that? The sin of doubt. Could be lust. It could be anger. It could be unforgiveness. It could be all kinds of things. And we just have lost sight of it. And at that moment of being before God and saying, God, help me today. Forgive me. Search my heart. Show me, God, if there's some place where I need to change. And he'll shine the light on us. And then he says, as we forgive those who are our debtors. Whoo. <laughs> forgive me as I forgive. It seems to be tied together, doesn't it? Seems to be tied together. So I can tell you that the... I, I can't think of anything more deadly, more damning, more destructive than unforgiveness. God calls us to forgive not because he's being harsh and unloving, but because he is being loving. He knows that when we are gripped by unforgiveness, that our hearts become hard. Our souls become closed. And we're not even able to receive his grace for our own lives. We've, we're forgiven as we forgive. I, personally, I don't believe it's God saying, well, you didn't forgive, so I'm not going to forgive you. I, don't, I really don't think that's what's happening. I, this is just my personal opinion for what it's worth. But I just believe that because of our unforgiveness... Our hearts become hard. Our souls become closed. And God's grace is unable to reach us. So as we open our hearts in forgiveness, because we have to have God's grace at work in our life, then we're able to receive God's grace. So I'm, as I'm praying, I, I mean, I've had days... You think of someone, you think, oh my God, I hadn't thought about that person in 20 years. And all of a sudden you realize there's something still there. You had that happen? Something is still there that I haven't really let go of yet. And you have to bring it to God all over again for him to be able to release that from you. And that's a whole series of messages. 
And then he says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So if you're like me, sometimes you're trying to hurry and get done because now you're, you've spent so much time out in the other places. It's like, oh man, I got to hurry and finish. I got to go to work. So, so um, but this is an important, important verse, important passage. In, in 2016, Pope Francis made the news. You may remember this. Nobody remembers this. He, he, um, I think the news headline said, Pope Francis rewrites the Lord's Prayer. Y'all remember that? Okay. <laughs> and um, he, what he actually did was allow for a change for when it says, lead us not into temptation, he allowed for the change, do not let us fall into temptation. Well, newsflash, I agree with Pope Francis. The best translation of that really is don't let us get sucked in to temptation. Because God is not going to lead us. It's, it's almost like if you read that, if I don't ask God not to lead me into temptation, he's going to lead me into temptation. And that's not God's character. But what it, what it's, what it is is acknowledging the reality of the warfare that we're a part of. That today you're going to be tempted. Today the devil is going around like a roaring lion seeking to devour your life. Today there are going to be snares in which you could get trapped. Today they're going to be there. And it's your, it's your awareness of that. Say, God, I realize I have an enemy. And he's trying to destroy me. He's trying to trick me. He's trying to deceive me. He's trying to tempt me. I ask you, God, don't let me get sucked into it. Protect me from it. It's asking God for his grace and protection from the work of the devil. And then, of course, you finish up your... There we go. <laughs> Yours is the kingdom. God's kingdom. It's his kingdom that we're a part of. You're, you're, you're not on your own. In fact, you don't even belong to yourself. <laughs> you belong to a king. Your kingdom. I'm a part of your kingdom. Your power. It's God's power that's going to enable everything that you've just prayed to come to pass. You, you're saying, God, it's your power. And it's his glory that you're seeking, not your own. You're seeking God's glory. And then amen, and you go your way. <laughs> so we've learned, we've learned to pray today, I hope. My prayer is that God would help every single one of us to have better prayer lives than we did have. For those who have been seasoned warriors in prayer, I can tell you that I've been praying for whatever it is, 52 years, I think. And, and I can tell you that my prayer life, this is just personal testimony, it's not bragging, but my prayer life has grown deeper in the last three or four years than it has ever been. You think, how is that possible? I mean, after all these years. And yet I'm still just praying the Lord's Prayer. Well, here's a, here is the reality about God, about the Lord's Prayer, is that it has no limit you pray it if it's just repeating the words. 
And then you pray it with a little bit of understanding. Then you pray it with more insight. Then you pray it with greater depth. It has absolutely no end to it. And that's why I say after all these years, I can't find anything that surpasses the Lord's Prayer for being able to pray effectively. So let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us today. I hope, I trust that these words have been meaningful, that you have instructed us, that you have um, inspired us, that we've been educated some, that we've been motivated, Lord, that you would help us grow deeper in our prayer life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.